0: Hello, Spotlight friends. Welcome to another episode of Aave Spotlight. Today, I am with my friend Eve, and it is one of our conversion story episodes. I'm so excited to hear from you. Thank you so much for being with us, Eve.
1: Oh yeah, no, my pleasure.
0: Oh my gosh. And I'm so excited to hear your story. We were talking about people that we'd love to have for this series and you came up and I'm just, you know, very, I'm looking so forward to hearing it and I you have like amazing things to share. But first off, before I gas you up too much, can you share a little bit about yourself to our listeners?
1: Sure. I, this part you'll get, I guess, in the actual conversion story, but I was not raised Catholic. I was raised more or less Reformed Jewish or secular Jewish in Washington, D.C., which is still where I am. And I'm gay. I came out when I was about 12 or 13. So that would have been in the, if you want to know my age, that would have been in the early 90s and in a very progressive environment, which is the one that I was raised in. So that's kind of, I feel like those give you a lot, actually, of background how all of that kind of collides and shapes my experience of being Catholic. And I have written a couple books, Gay and Catholic, which is which has my conversion story in it. If you want, if you like this episode, or you want more, and then also talks about <clears throat> some of the forms of love that are open to gay people who are seeking to live in harmony with the Catholic with the Catholic Church, with their faith. And then there's a new sequel called Tenderness, A Gay Christian's Guide to Unlearning, Rejection, and Experiencing God's Extravagant Love. So this is a lot of the work that I do.
0: I right love math. Oh my goodness. No, I love it. Thank you so much for your contributions. I've read both books and they're very good. So thank you so much for for contributing those for sure. So Eve, I wanna start with, I wanna start with baby Eve. Tell me about what your life was like Did you grow up, so you did not grow up Catholic. What was your environment like growing up? How do you become someone that's writing books for Ave Maria Press? How did Uh, you get there?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, ultimately, I in some ways feel lucky that I was not raised Catholic, which is sort of a sad thing to say. And that's kind of where the second book starts is this idea of I was... I didn't have a lot of the baggage that people who grow up in the church who are gay sometimes have. And I've met a lot of people who had a much harder experience. You know, for me, even when I was little, my parents knew gay people, had gay friends. It was just sort of a part of life. I had, I think, a pretty protected, sheltered childhood and was able to explore kind of my imagination. I was definitely a very imaginative kid for good and for ill. And I think that that actually does come into the story just in that the love of art and the physical world and the beauty of the physical world were big aspects of my conversion. Mm. Uh, And those are things that started really early. I loved to be out among the trees and to imagine like little fairies and whatnot playing in the roots and to read including books that were really i think my first introduction to Christianity through fantasy books.
0: Oh my goodness. Well, I mean, God bless you for your imagination. My imagination is I've been I was telling one of my friends, I'm I'm really trying to be more intentional about discovering like just rediscovering wonder and awe, right? Having an imagination, having some sort of thought outside of work. And, you know, the Law & Order SVU episodes that I binge. So it must be nice to to have to, you know, to get to think of other things and just like do it because that's the way your mind works. So I love what you were saying about the beauty of the outside world and created things and how that was a big part in your conversion. Can you share a little bit more about that? Sure. So
1: I had a lot of, by the time I was a teenager, a lot of kind of standard Quasi-misconceptions about Catholicism. I say quasi-misconceptions because you definitely can find people who will justify these misconceptions who will be yeah. like, who you meet them? You're like, oh, okay, this is this is what they're talking about. <laughs> um, and we've we've all probably been stereotypes at some point ourselves. but I had the idea that Catholics hated sensuality and the physical world and were against like the body and all the things that I, as a teenager, was starting to become interested in we were not interested in beauty and the arts at all. And I think one of the big experiences that did start to shake that up a little was being able to travel with some of my school, some of my classmates to Italy and seeing the reliquaries that the bones of saints were kept in. I was wow. totally fascinated by these things. I had no sense of the kind of theology behind it or whatever, but it was still incredibly striking to me, not only because... The reliquaries themselves were so beautiful, they were so ornate and like encrusted with jewels and gold and often sort of funny in a way. Like you would have a piece of a foot, so you would put it like in a big gold foot. Uh, yeah. there was like there was a kind of humor to it and a kind of but 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 it was a humor that was based on like a deep love of the human body and a deep reverence for the body parts of these saints, that it wasn't really about their ideas as such. It was just like these people were holy and so their bodies are holy. Mm. And that was really striking to me. Again, I wouldn't say that I understood it or anything, but it was definitely, I was sort of obsessed. I wrote a short story about reliquaries. I got very into it. And kind of still, I still think they're they're really amazing. And that was the first hints that I had that some of my ideas about the relationship of Christianity and the body were not quite at least the best understanding of Christianity. Mm. And then I don't know if we want to get to when I started meeting Christians who could kind of like present their faith to me in a way that was attractive and that I understood. I had met, I think almost every American has probably met some Christian who has tried real hard to present their faith in a way that's attractive. Absolutely. And so and up until that point, up until I went to college, none of the people who had tried to do that for me had really kind of made contact. The things that they were saying, I look back on now and I'm very moved by because they were talking about the work that God had done in their lives. But I was just sort of hearing it as a story. You know, I didn't there was nothing in it that I felt like I could really connect to. To me, it was a little bit like, you know, when a person sits down next to you at the bus and begins sort of like ranting to you about like odd things going on in their head. And so when I got to college, that was when I first started meeting Christians who were able to talk about their own faith in a way that was really striking to me. They talked about the incarnation, the crucifixion, and the Eucharist were kind of the three big things that were really startling to me. And God is the creator. When I would talk about the beauty and the meaning that I found in the physical world, just in like objects and the sensual power of touch and smell and Mm. taste, they would say, that's right. You know, that's the fingerprints of the creator God that he has left on his creation. He is beauty. And so all that he has created bears some imprint of that beauty. And they were able to say too, that that beauty was in some way broken or damaged, that we and everything around us have gone through some kind of calamity that has left us shipwrecked and yet even the pieces of the shipwreck still bear this beauty of their creation that it's like they're sort of glowing with the heat of creation and that really resonated with me and especially with the beauty that I perceived in broken and damaged things I was like of course of course that's right and then the crucifixion I think there were a few things about it that really resonated with me, some of which I could recognize at the time and some of which I couldn't. The big thing for me was that it was really obvious to me that something had gone wrong in my life that I could not quite put a name on, that I had felt for a long time, since childhood, a lot of my play when I was by myself, fantasy play would be like, I'm an alien or a spy or a criminal, that these were kind of like, what almost what it meant to be human, was to play out those roles. And when my friends started saying like, oh yes, because of the fall, I was like, wait, what? You know, I thought this is just sort of like fantasy plus me being kind of a weirdo. And they were <laughs> and they were able to say, no, I think there's an insight in that. But with the crucifixion, when they began talking about why and how all that happened, they really emphasized, I think, that that you can't, by your own effort overcome the kind of undertow that pulls you to do bad things you can't fully make up for the things that you do you can try to make amends and you have a responsibility to do that but you actually can't kind of repair the harm that you leave in the world the wreckage that you contribute to and that very much resonated with me and sounded very bad but at the same time very recognizable from from incidents in my own life where i sure. felt that i had caused wreckage that i had not been able to repair mm. And they're saying like, yes, because you genuinely aren't strong enough, if there is to be a full reckoning, it's going to have to come through God. There has to be someone who can be simultaneously in our shoes and in God's, someone who can simultaneously have the infinite power of God and yet be one of us. I feel like I'm garbling this a little bit.
0: You are definitely not. No, I mean, this is so, I I mean it's so interesting to hear what, you know, what really intrigued you enough, because Mm -hmm. I mean, honestly, Eve, making the jump from, I mean, or maybe it's not a jump. I would love your insight, but coming from how you grew up and what your spiritual practices were to now being like a practicing gay Catholic that's writing books and talking about your life and sharing with people all the time. I mean, I just, it's so interesting. It's interesting hearing how you got there and what re- initially kind of sparked because I've seen a couple of relic myself and they're amazing. And I, I remember especially seeing one when I visited Germany like many years ago and it was a huge church and on top of the altar, huge ornate like columns and shelves. And then just one little like small relic, like gold mm. reliquary, but the mm-hmm. whole sh- shelves yeah. and columns were just built for the little tiny baby, which ended up being like a fingernail of the saint mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Wow, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen." So, I yeah, so I totally get you. I'm just, I'm, I'm curious, like how once you kind of recognize all those things were interesting to you, mm. and you were able to say, you know, "Wow, like God's suffering is." redemptive. I can't really do anything to kind of, you know, make up for those things, but (laughs) I can live my life in such a way where like, I'm not an alien outside of this world. I'm somebody that belongs in this world as I am. Like how, how did you get to the point where you were like, oh my gosh, okay, well now I'm going to give my life to God in this way? I mean, how did your family react? Was there much of a reaction at all? Or was it kind of like, well, we saw this one coming. Eve, you've been hanging out with a lot of Catholic people. No, not at all. (laughs) Okay. Oh my gosh. You know, so,
1: I mean, it really was for me a lot like falling in love that there were all these, when you like, when you fall in love with someone, you can talk about the aspects of them that are attractive to you. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, it's kind of the totality. It's just who they are. It's the way It's the way everything comes together. So I can talk about, it. like, these were the particular theological things that drew me. Also, the particular people that I knew who were Catholics were r- really fascinating to me. And then I went to Mass, and I was like, oh, I really like how much of the Hebrew Bible is in this, that f- this actually feels sort of resonant with my, like, very limited Jewish education in that way. Didn't feel like a discontinuity, really. It felt like, in many ways, it felt like a deepening of a lot of things that I already was and believed and loved. Mm. You know, it really was more of a kind of like romantic swoon, you know, that I was just really into this and wanted to be as deep into it as possible. And specifically, really longed for the Eucharist. There was something like very hardcore and kind of metal about the idea of physically receiving, consuming the body and blood of God like that struck me as so intense and such an incredibly intense recognition of the power of our bodies and the meaning of our bodies to God. But I really had a lot of questions, especially about the sexual ethic of the church. I was gay. I felt like this would probably be fairly relevant to me. And I got a series of answers from my friends and from a priest that ranged from, like, beautiful but unpersuasive to really bad. Mm. And so I had reached this point where it was kind of a crossroads. And ultimately I just kind of took the le- the leap of faith of I can trust the church in this area even though I don't understand. And I don't know that I could make the case for doing that to someone who didn't. I think there's lots of reasons people do not trust the Catholic church today. You know, incredibly understandable reasons. And all I can kind of say is that I really did see the ways in which the church could be a, genuinely a mother and teacher in spite of the imperfections of the people within the church. And so, yeah, then I told my parents I was in catechism class. And oh. I mean, they were, you know, they were genuinely very supportive. They didn't mm-hmm. understand it. But uh, like my dad has driven me to church a whole bunch. So they, I think, really, you know, tried hard to kind of accept that they made that this is where I'm at, this is what I'm doing, and either it'll blow up in my face or I'll find some way to make it work. And I sort of did both.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Like it's sort of, but it's working out. Wow. Well, that's God's grace that you are here Mm -hmm. and that your parents received it in the way that they did. That's like so beautiful. And I am so grateful that you were able to share. You know, I, I think it's like those intimate parts of ourselves where God really sparks that kind of interest and that pursuit, you know, that initial pursuit. Because he'll never launch himself, you know, in, himself, like, into our lives, but he'll like, you know, be there for us at all times, kind of waiting for us like a gentleman. And so it's like it's amazing hearing people's small things, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember for me, like when I was in high school, just hearing other kids that were, you know, having fun and playing like PlayStation together and then going to mass. And then like, you know, and then like going to get frozen yogurt, like that was a little spark for me of like, oh, well, I think like the thing that was so attractive to me at that time, which I know the Lord knows was just how balanced it seemed that you could mm-hmm. actually be Christian and still have a life <laughs> because I thought uh-huh. that all Christians were just like dead from being born. So, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. and then to come to find out that you could actually live and like, exist and enjoy company of others and participate in things that are or ha- joyful and yogurt and being outside and like music, you know? Um, and so that's so amazing how God speaks to each one of us. I'm curious, what would you tell your younger self? Like if you could speak to yourself now and be like, you know, it was, it's worth it, dude. <laughs> um, or like, Hey man, you might, Need to give a little, you might not want to hang out with those friends. I I know for me, that's what I'd say to myself. So, what would you want to tell younger you?
1: Yeah, I think I'm trying to think of what I would want to say that I might actually listen to because some of the very obvious things I think I would just reject and be like, like, I realize that you're future me, but I don't care. (laughs) But I think one thing is just you really have discovered something beautiful and true, and you are not ever so far going to really doubt that in a serious way the thing that you found is real but you really need to listen to other people who are not there you absolutely need to hear what people are telling you when they talk about the reasons that they don't have faith or that they lost their faith they also know something that is real and if you disregard those experiences you're going to end up hurting them and other people that you encounter i think that's really the biggest thing i wish i like i i'm incredibly grateful that I haven't really struggled with doubt. I've like done all kinds of sin and bad stuff and been away from the church for a while, but away from the Eucharist. But I always kind of trusted that God was basically right where I left him. And so that's been a huge gift, but it did make me close-minded and unable to hear like the reality of other people's lives and other people's experiences with Catholics and with what it meant to them to be Catholic uh, or mm. to encounter Catholics. And I just wish I had taken that a lot more seriously.
0: Mm. Wow. That's a really insightful note. I I was just speaking with someone the other day, and I think this might be the first time that I curse on this podcast, but I was just telling someone the other day, like when I was younger, and for parents that are listening, I'm going to curse in like five seconds. When I was younger and I, you know, was being really serious about being Catholic. I just remember I went through such a period. Like I was. Yes. Oh my the gosh. Yeah. <laughs> like I was the worst. Like I was, I so, anyone, I like, I loved what you said about listening to people that, you know, are away from the Lord or, you know, don't trust or believe in the church and that, because they also have something to share. Like anyone that had something to share in that way, I was not hearing it. So (laughs) it's crazy how, you know, I, and I love how that's something that you would tell your younger self, like to really take note, because I think a lot of people would be kind of scared. Like, I'm not going to tell my younger self to listen Mm -hmm. to people that don't agree with the church because Mm -hmm. then what if younger me doesn't agree with the church? Like, what if, what if I'm doing danger to myself, but it's actually so good for us to like, soften our hearts and become compassionate people because those people that are away from the church or have doubts or whatever, have something to offer. I think that's really insightful, especially I think, you know, for, I think a lot of us that are practicing the faith can reflect on moments where we weren't kind. <laughs> and I wish we would have, I, I think a lot of us <laughs> would go back and tell our younger selves the same yeah. thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So thank you so much. I'm like, I've loved hearing your story and I love how real life you are. It's very refreshing. <laughs> yeah. I think sometimes it's like so tough out here to be like, you know what? There were a lot of things that I got wrong and right now I'm doing well, who knows for the future. So right. I love it. Right. Yeah. That's I love right. how like real life you are. And I, We'll definitely be praying for you. And I hope everyone that's listening will also be praying for you as well as your, is it your father? Who's kind of, you're hanging out with him. He's recovering. Yeah. We'll yeah. Okay. And Got surgery. it. Yeah. Well. Yeah. So we'll pray for him too, that he can zoom around with his little mm-hmm. walker, zoom, zoom, mm-hmm. zoom. And I would love for you to share, where can people find more information about what you're up to and kind of follow along mm-hmm. with you?
1: Yeah, I guess the two best places, Avon Maria Press has published my two Catholic books or my two, I guess, my two kind of nonfiction books, the gay and Catholic books. And then I guess the best place to find my writing is probably my newsletter, which I'm pretty sure is evetashnet.substack.com. Or you can Google, if that's wrong, my name plus dragon. And I think you'll get it.
0: <laughs> Sweet, I love that. Awesome. Well, we'll put that in our show notes so people can check that out. But- oh, good. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, I don't we'll- actually know where it is. <laughs> now nah, we'll put dragon in our show notes, but thank you so much for being with us again and for being a part of our conversion series. I'm really excited for people to hear it. And thank you for the gift of, you know, everything that you do for people in the church. There's like a lot of people got touched or I'm sure are touched by what you've shared with us. So thank you for doing that. Thank you. No, these were good questions. Yeah. So thank you. Oh my gosh. Took me some time. So awesome. Well, I'll talk to you soon. Take care. Thank you guys for listening and thank you so much to Eve for being our guest. I hope that this Conversion Series episodes have been inspiring you guys. They've very much been inspiring me and it's been an honor to interview these amazing guests. I'm really looking forward to talking to you guys next week. Please pray for me. I'll be praying for you. God bless.